1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head.
3: The Chairshot.com.
2: Always use your head. And I am joined this week by three quarter or two-thirds of the of the rest of the bandwagon. We have the live studio audience, PC Tunney here. We have the lawyer himself, David Ungar. We have no ASOP. We have no Ray Cash. We have no Plat Signal. One, because I didn't send up the plat signal. Um and I I ASOP had a thing going on. Ray is still managing busy Sundays. So I, and I I frankly was just too lazy to put up the platt signal this week. So that, that's why he didn't come. He does require hey, you know, a so, lot of
4: work. He's like a gremlin. He needs instructions and shit. It's, well, it's platt, a whole tweet. Like it's a whole. I was, whole... was working
5: overtime this whole week, I believe, in, in in an attempt to make more money for next weekend's WrestleMania. I believe he's going to WrestleMania. So he wasn't yeah, on well, PC and Platte wasn't on uh, DWI. Platt was off this week, and I doubt he's going to be around next week.
2: Well, that's fine. We'll see if we get ASAP back uh, next week when we start covering Moon Knight. Anyway, I was just saying, you know, smaller, more intimate bandwagon this week, and kind of a bandwagon of, what do we talk about now? As, As we were talking before the show, Tony was at breakfast and had no list to work on. And Dave, Dave, I don't know about you, but like, I didn't. I kind of didn't know what to do with myself this morning because this morning, for the last seven weeks, has been me narrowing down the finalists.
4: I was just watching stuff this morning, like just watching movies, <laughs> watching shows, just kicking back. I was like, okay, yeah, I watched a I watched
2: a little New Japan Pro Wrestling. I watched an Oscar-nominated film this morning, and yeah. Speaking of which. We're going we're gonna to have some fun today. We are going to talk Oscars. By the time this show drops, the Oscars will have happened and nobody will have cared. And so we're going to talk a little bit about why the Oscars are happening and why nobody cares and why no one watches anymore and what we think should be done to fix it that won't get listened to. Like we just we know it won't get listened to. We're going to talk a little bit of news around the Nerdosphere. Not much. We're also going to discuss a tragic loss in the music community It's 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 a it's an interesting show of topics, uh, but I think they're good topics and I think there's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, And so, you know, I think what we're going to do is we'll start with the news around the Nerdosphere. I think that's that's a good way to start. We'll start the show with the news around the Nerdosphere. But in order to do that, I need one, Dave, to make my voice sound cool when i say it's now time for news around the nerdosphere and then we need the music to hit dave so i need you to get that ready in post-production because it's not happening live because it is time for news around the nerdosphere Okay, and to kick off our topics this week, so the Batman dropped a couple of weeks ago, made all kinds of money. People liked it, said it's really, really good. But at the tail end of all of this, there's been this website that is connected with the movie that has been consistently giving new nuggets for the film. And one of the things that dropped this week was a five minute deleted scene involving the joker and i wanted to talk about it because i thought it was a unique take on the joker in a way that we haven't necessarily seen in the past in in film and so the the scene spoiler alert kids was batman going to the joker with basically his profile of the riddler and kind of doing that uh, Dr. Lecter sort of informant, sort of consultation, sort of thing. And I thought it was just—I thought it was completely unique. And, and I'll start with our resident DC fan um, and expert, Dave. What did you think of this this five minute deleted scene? And do you, are you surprised it didn't make the the theater cut?
4: Um, not really surprised it didn't make the theater cut. It's—it felt to me like they held this one back to see what sort of reaction batman got in and, and you know if if it was very favorable it's like okay let's release this because this is probably where we're gonna go with the sequel you know they, they of course at the end they tease joker next door you're not sure it's joker after this deleted scene there is no more doubt who is in that cell next to the riddler uh i love the scene i thought i thought the joker portrayed and, and they did some really smart stuff with this you don't get a good look at his face until the very end and then you realize, okay, this this is a different kind of Joker. This is a much more damaged Joker. This could be, you know, I mean, if you're anybody who's into kind of like the origin of the Joker, which is amorphous to say the least. Um, but the prevailing opinion is he's the leader of the Red Hood gang. Fell into a vat of chemicals. This looks like shortly thereafter. He kind of references their one year anniversary in in this scene, but. I thought the scene was really well done. I like this variation of the Joker. Who's it? Barry Keogh, I think, played the Joker. Yes. Uh, I thought, you know, he kind of brings, and I don't know what you guys thought, and I want to turn it over to you because to me, it felt like he brought various elements of all the Jokers we've seen before. It was like, there's a little bit of Jack in there. There's a little bit of Heath. There's a little bit of Jared Leto all wrapped into this portrayal with something different going on as well. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the Hannibal Lecter thing, cause that's exactly what's going on. And, um, he, he, you know, at the end, he makes Bruce question a few things about his own mindset. So I love the scene. Um, I, my personal opinion is they just wanted to see how Batman was received before they dropped this. That's just my thoughts.
2: Yeah. Uh, Tony, I'll go, I'll go to you first to to answer Dave's questions. Like, what did you see out of that portrayal? Did you see, like Dave talks about like a, an amalgamation of different Joker portrayals and things like that. What were your thoughts on this deleted scene? It's five minutes. It's a heck of a long scene.
5: Yeah. So first thought after watching it was you made me sit through every fucking thing else in that movie for that damn long in the fucking theater while I had to pee <laughs> and you left this out. What the fuck? <laughs> anyway, whatever. It was, it was great. I, I thought more like it was, he was playing the Joker as like a darker comic book character, as opposed to the way it's been played in the, in the movies in the past. But I don't know. I, I liked it. It it definitely keyed on the relationship and where that relationship is going and how those two are just, you know, connected in ways that they, neither of them understand. I, I went back and watched um, the dark Knight the other evening and realized that Heath Ledger did a great job. Christian Bale was really bad and that that movie wasn't as good as I thought it was. It made me really appreciate the Batman more and the, and the addition of the detective kind of piecing together and, and where we're going with that. I'm just, I'm waiting to make sure though Robert Pattinson can play Bruce Wayne. Well, that needs to be the next step in the next movie or, you know, there needs to be a female in his life that gets him to be the person that he needs to be as far as Bruce Wayne. So we'll see what goes there. But as far as the Joker, I mean, dude, looks like he, we're in for a good ride with with, with this fellow playing Joker right here.
2: So you heard it here first, bandwagoners. PC Tunney hates the Dark Knight. That's what we just got. Now. Official. <gasps> #Hashtag it. Tunney hate.
5: Think Dave really roll his eyes, but I, that's not what I meant. I just meant I don't <laughs> think that movie's as good as I thought it was, and I think the one that I just saw was better than I thought it was.
2: Oh, look at that! That is. I love it. I love it. Hey, I, here's the thing is I argued when we reviewed this movie and talked about it, that it's a one, one a and one a sort of scenario in that they're vastly different types of movies. And, you know, I do think it comes down to taste and preference. If I were to choose Tony, I'm actually with you. I liked detective Robert Pattinson, Batman more than I liked, um, gravelly voice, kind of driven action movie batman
5: so, Looks like he's just trying to escape through the mouth hole in the fucking batsuit you know it's like his his lips and nose are just like trying to run away from his face it's hilarious
2: right, it's it is it is kind of funny and, and again it's that gravelly voice dave do you have a rebuttal on on the no just kidding i don't know if you need no, to do
4: well, I, mean, I, w- I will never you guys already know I will never go out and say this movie is better than the Dark Knight but I do agree with you Pat it is more of a 1A 1B sort of situation the interesting thing about the two movies is they're kind of occupying really the same space as far as the Batman timeline you know year one and year two Batman begins being more year one ish um, that sort of thing I mean I think I think the Dark Knight maybe you could fast forward like maybe we're a year or two down the line as far as when he meets the Joker but uh you know you know yeah the biggest difference between the two portrayals is the dark knight trilogy doesn't really focus on um the detective a much larger focus on the Bruce Wayne character in those three movies and this one is more the detective and a bigger focus on Br- on Batman not so much on Bruce Uh different sides of the same coin excellent movies both ways around um so and this looks like another joker who you know like i said that it's an amalgamation i didn't see a lot of Joaquin Phoenix's joker in this portrayal at all but there's knows? there's always
2: a question as to whether Joaquin Phoenix's joker was the joker Isn't too like it? that's exactly. always, that's that's the big question out of that my other my other thought with this being dropped in this website and i can't remember what it is uh and i don't have the article up in front of me to like look it up but they're dropping These snippets and and these new pieces of the movie, I to me, this screams we're going to get an extended edition of the film that gets released maybe via whether it's via home video. I like I think it could be like a Lord of the Rings sort of level of extended. And so, for those of you who don't know, the theatrical cuts of the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies are two and a half hours, two and a half hours, three hours respectively. And in each of those extended cuts, the result was an additional 30 to 45 minutes of footage. And I could see, because, you know, the movie itself is what already, it was already damn near three hours long. I could see them releasing an extended cut, a director's cut, if you will, with some of this footage interspersed back in and, and making this a, three plus hour fill no, you're right i mean and yeah
4: warner has not shied away from that like you know i it, like you mentioned i mean everything that they've done has had an extended cut attached to it snyder cut bvs the ultimate cut you know all that sort is so yeah i think you. i think you easily they could stretch this into a three and a half maybe even a four hour movie who knows what they left on the cutting room floor at this point but i i'll watch
2: it I mean, I probably will too, Tony. I know you felt it was too long. Um, maybe it's just because you had to go to the restroom. Would you watch an extended The Batman cut, or is that just too much Batman for you?
5: No, at home, at home, yeah, for sure. No, I, you know, it, it was fine in the movie theater. I just had to go to the bathroom, but maybe it was a little. I don't know. It, it was a, it was a little slow in some parts for me, but I think it was just kind of getting used right. to that pace and that that kind of change in 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 you know attitude almost but they're both great movies right i'm just saying i'm looking forward to this one more so i want to see what comes of this i think this could end up being the best series of batman i mean if they do this right you can maybe get four or five movies out of this
2: yeah i mean and i don't does anybody know how old robert pattinson is
5: yeah he's in his mid -mid to 30s
0: hey guys it's it's kevin russo Photoshop can really make whatever's in your head. You can learn regular tools in all kinds of ways and make them your own. You just have to try.
4: It. Oh my God! Are we sponsored by Photoshop now? That's awesome, Tuddy. <laughs> I'm waiting for the royalty checks, baby. You should,
2: you should uh, remove that on post-production, as apparently when I went to open the the article for our next
5: Robert Pattinson's 35
2: subject. Thank you. So when I went to open the article for our next subject, apparently autoplay and play it as loud as possible is the MO of our good friends at Gizmodo. Um, So, yeah, I think at 35, Robert Pattinson, and he's playing somebody much younger than 35. God, I hate computers. I hate my computer. I hate everything. Um, Yeah, I I don't see anything that would prevent a lengthy run with this Matt Reeves – series unless it's something that he wants to be shorter you know what i mean like if he only wants it to be a trilogy then it'll be a trilogy and that's that
4: i mean and it's kind of like a whiteboard sort of thing with this franchise because they can use this and say maybe experiment with who do we want and they i mean not like a reboot of the whole dceu but they could they could easily bring in a few characters here and there if they wanted to
5: Okay, so who do you want to see around the horn? You can start, Dave. Like, like we've we've the different people you associate with Batman. We've seen that have been in the first one now: Catwoman, Penguin, right? Uh, A couple other different people from inside, you know, this inside of Gotham. Who who is a part of the Batman story that you know and relate to him with that we don't know about? Because now we're getting the Joker that you haven't heard about. Who do you want to see if we go, you know, three, four movies in? I mean, you got to get. Like, do you want to see a? Do you want to see Robin in Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Is that what you're
4: going to Okay. Yeah, I mean you got to you got to kind of go down that path cuz a Robin evolution into Nightwing sort of like what they've done on Titans is is a good storytelling. And there's a lot of fertile ground <laughs> they can do there. Um you know, if they could ever get the Superman casting right, I always like him being involved because they're polar opposites and they and they're they're the yin and, yin and the yang of each other to kind of check each other off. Um that sort of thing beyond that i mean villain wise you know maybe killer croc would be cool uh raz al ghul is always um somebody worth getting in there uh, you know green arrow and batman obviously they've got an interesting relationship as well so those kind of things it just depends you know what they what they really want to do i don't want to see like wonder woman introduced in that flash mm, maybe maybe not but stuff like that i'd say <laughs>
2: None of those. Okay. None of those. I want... No, and and here's why. I don't want Superman anywhere near this version of Batman's reality. I don't want any sort of ridiculous meta-humans as part of this Batman reality. Because the reality that was created by Matt Reeves in this movie is not that. It's not supers. And and so, yeah, I, I... that, that, to me, that's that's part of – it's actually part of one of my problems with Batman and the DC DC in general is that as a character, like, it's just not grounded in the same reality as every other character you see in the DC universe. Like, and, and, to, and to put it up against Marvel, like, Marvel, even Tony Stark. Like, Tony Stark is a tech genius inventing shit that nobody – that is, like, hitherto unheard of. So it's completely ridiculous and over the top. Everything that you see out of Batman, initially and in this world that he's created, is grounded in a level of reality. And that was the thing I appreciated about the Nolan films too. Like he didn't go with the the crazy, not so like like a killer croc who's what like a mutant sort of character. Even Stephen Crane, um, or not, is it Stephen? Is that his first name? Scarecrow. Scarecrow. But yeah, like but his his personal name his person name is is. It, is it Stephen no. Doctor. Dr. Crane. Doctor Crane. Anyway, like he's a real dude who's using hallucinogens. Um, I'm inter- I would be actually interested in a Mr. Freeze. Um, to be honest.
4: Good Mr. Freeze, thank you. Yeah, yes, yeah, I nice. said. <laughs>
2: um, I think would it would be interesting. I don't I don't care if they have Robin or not. I I, I don't. Um He's a, he's a good enough character as it is. But inevitably, if you bring in Robin, then, Dave, it's like you said, people are going to demand Nightwing. And where where does that fit in the world that was created? We know what we, – we already have an idea of two things that are coming for Batman next. You've got the Penguin and you've got the Joker when he gets out. And maybe the Riddle. Like I love – like we basically got the core four Batman villains – in this first movie and and none of them died which is great so none of them are done which is also great so i i think that for me superman no thanks wonder woman no thanks the flash no thanks uh maybe robin but again i don't i don't know i don't know that i care enough about his story or his character i want to see as as Tony brought up i want to see bruce wayne I want to see Bruce Wayne develop. I want to see who he becomes. I, I think that is a far more intriguing story. And I think that's what we're going to get in movie number two. I think it's the, the growth of Bruce Wayne uh, as he becomes that philanthropist, billionaire, playboy that we all know and love from other iterations.
5: I think an introduction of arrow into the movies would be awesome. Considering the of, the, the, like, it's a not super right. Um, I'd love to see poison Ivy's story told again in a different way, especially this way. That could be really, really cool. Um, and then uh, what was the other thing I was looking at? Two face would always, is always interesting. We didn't bring that up, but uh, what about if you did, you know, you got a new Batman, got a new Joker.
4: What if you had a
5: new Harley Quinn?
4: I mean, that's, maybe. that's tough because Margot Robbie has crushed that role so dramatically that
2: and it's, it's
4: similar to like, you know, the.
2: I'm going to push back on that in a heartbeat because we have had seven different jokers. It can be done. It can be done. Like I'm just eight, bringing up
5: things that you expect through it, right? You know, things you don't expect, maybe like um, what about uh, Hush?
4: I've heard Court of Owls. Court of Owls would be really cool. That would be really tied into that sort of storytelling, especially the detective aspect as he goes on this detective manhunt to figure out who is the Court of Owls. These guys are just you know, myths and legends for so long until they're not. So that would be, I think, Court of Owls would be really, really, I mean, something that you haven't seen really explored that much in any sort of um, cinematic medium. Not on TV, not on the movies, not really even in animation that much.
5: Bad Hatter. Could be interesting <laughs> with the noir. It could be really deep.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 believe, I I buy into it. All right. I I think that the the we've talked about this ad nauseum. There there's limitless possibilities here and I'm excited to see it. Now let's shift over to a movie that I think most of the world is kind of tepid about seeing, and that is The next Sony sort of Spider-Verse movie, whatever you want to call their hodgepodge world, Morbius, the much-delayed Jared Leto-led Michael Morbius film. And the reason I bring this movie up isn't because we all – I don't think any one of us that are sitting around here are like, ooh, let's go see the Morbius movie this weekend tony has got a big head shake. I think Dave. you will you're, probably you're, go right, see
4: it. I am I would suspect. Um,
2: but the director gave an interview that I feel, and it was funny because I was going to share this anyway. And then Ray Cash, our good friend Ray Cash, shared it in our, in our DM group as it was. So he shared this interview and i and i had it on io9 which is why you got the the weird ad that popped up in the middle here because it automatically played this video where and i'm trying to find this guy's name um and i hate the way people write articles because they sit there and they wind up forever and all i want to know is this guy whose name is where the fuck is it
5: yeah, God of Biscuits.
2: No, it's something to Espinoza, but it's like da, da 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 da. Daniel Espinoza. Like it took three paragraphs, Io9 writer, for you to get to the name of the person whose interview you're talking about. But they ask him point
4: blank.
5: <laughs> you son of a bitch.
4: No, I'm just looking from a fucking article. Is this the yeah, one from Justin? Is this from Justin fuck Carter? Pat? Justin Carter. Is that the What's, one you're talking about? What do you mean, Justin Carter? That's the author of this Morbius director opens up on its post-credit. Yes, scene.
2: Justin Justin Carter. There you go. Da, 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 like I, it's been a long build-up and people don't know what's going on. So in this interview, basically, Mr. Espinosa says that Morbius lives in the same universe as Venom. This is the universe we saw Venom exit at the end of Venom. Let there be carnage and return to at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. He also sort of hints that you would know which Spider-Man is a period or which Spider-Man's universe Venom exists in. So my question is, one, do we buy that? Like at all. And then two, if we do buy that, which Spider-Man universe do we expect it to be in? PC Tony, I'm going to have you go first because Dave went first on the last one.
5: I don't I don't know. Do they are we going to get a new, another new Spider-Man now? I mean
2: Well, technically in this there's three possibilities. Technically.
5: Yeah, but if there's three Spider-Man possibilities one, and, and and all the everything's open, there could be more possibilities. Could actually, this I'm be saying, Miles saying, Mor- Could this be Miles Morales? That,
2: that was my third actually. I wasn't counting Tom Holland. Since he okay. since he's eliminated the Tom Holland Spider-Verse by saying that this character in the minimum one, I think it's Miles Morales.
4: Dave, what do you think? Well, by let's approach this analytically, deductive reasoning. It can't be Toby because we've already seen Venom in Toby's universe, so you can pretty much eliminate that. I agree with you, Tom Holland. He was there for a moment, then he gets phased back out. Although, I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing: when they showed the Morbius trailer, it pissed me off because they're like, "From the studios that brought you No Way Home," I'm like, "No, you didn't." You have the rights to it. You didn't bring a shit. Yeah. Um, I. If I was to guess, I mean, I think with, with some of the sympathetic and favorable reaction um, and, and the groundswell of support for Andrew Garfield and the fact that there are no good villains in his universe, which he lamented the fact himself in No Way Home, I could see them going in that direction of, of placing Venom into that universe um that would be a way to bring him back in some respect if they wanted to tony's probably right it's probably miles universe if they're bringing him in but i I wouldn't completely exclude andrew garfield's but i think it's either one of those that's my best guess Uh, how big is this
2: if it's miles morales Uh,
4: i think that's pretty that's pretty big because then you you do set the stage for the introduction of that variation of spider-man and with with tom's status kind of up in the air and that spider-man that variation of spider-man kind of up in the air um you know unless you're going to reboot everything from the andrew garfield franchise which seems very unlikely because sony would be in control and it'd just be a train wreck um i think yeah bringing miles in at this point and and kind of introducing him into the mix yeah that'd be pretty big i i think that makes a a, a lot of sense um i wish marvel and mcu actually had their fingerprints on that more than i suspect sony will but you know the the demarcation lines between marvel and sony in this whole spider-verse are are pretty thin right now i would say so who knows
2: <laughs> there's lego miles morales to support tani's theory here's that, and it's good that you mentioned that because the interview continues. And he also says, at the end of Venom, let there be carnage in Spider-Man No Way Home and in No Way Home itself. It is clearly established that it is possible for characters to transfer from one multiverse to the other. The events of No Way Home had the effect of transferring Venom and Vulture and maybe others in parentheses back and forth between the MCU and the Venom universe
4: so dave
2: whoop-de-doo basil what does it all mean
4: i just yeah i think that they uh, they're playing with house money at this point It is like we can do whatever we want we can transfer characters we don't really need to worry about it making sense Uh, yeah you've got you've got vultures appearing in morbius so you've got tom holland's universe merging into wherever we are and we don't we we're like well that's not the tom holland universe uh Venom is is kind of much more difficult to pin right now. I I don't. That's all I think that they that they're trying to say is that we've got a blank slate. Um, we're going to mess around with a few things. We've got, they've really got all the you know all the tools are there at their disposal. It's it it really is a blank slate because they've no way home did one thing very well like you're saying like he's saying it just merged everything together and throw everything together and then pulled it apart now who's going to be where when it all gets pulled apart that's that's one of the big issues so I, I just think they've got a lot of options at this point that they can play with sandbox time
2: well speaking of a sandbox sony has long wanted to do a sinister 6 movie is this the time does this cuz we got we got a craven the hunter movie who god knows what that's going to be coming do we finally get a sinister six flick and Dave there's theoretically five villains that have, have been thrown out there. If you, if you really want to like kind of dig down into it uh, in various Sony iterations, but who would you want in your sinister six? If that's where they go.
4: Um, well, doc, Ock, you've got him. Um, I think, I think that he's a solid one. Uh, Green goblin in some form. Okay maybe um you got electro he's there uh you had mysterio but now he's dead so i don't know how you work around that um shocker got wiped out in what homecoming i think he got he got taken out uh i mean i know they say sinister six but we all know it's more like the sinister 10 when you really dig down yeah. into it uh so let's maybe, say maybe a good he, a good rhino would be nice did you yeah, say
2: craven we said the craven movie's coming um so we figure he's gonna be part of it so let's 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 do this instead of trying to come up with an an entire six who's one villain you would want that hasn't been pre we're gonna do the same thing we did with batman one spidey villain that hasn't made an appearance that you would love to see in a sinister six movie as the sixth guy i I already seen all
5: the i'll go first i haven't seen all the spider-man movies so i might be missing something if somebody was in there somewhere but uh was sandman they ever done sandman
2: sandman was spider-man 3 and no way home.
5: that's what Sand i
2: collection. No was way was in, that.
5: he did come to help that was sandman and no way home that's right yeah Same church i don't know I, mean, I, I would just like to see that as the the main character but that was one of my favorites but
4: Craven is the one that's missing, I think, you know, but but they're already doing a movie about him. I'm trying to think of who else has been um Who did
5: Jamie Foxx play? Electro.
4: Electro. But the male version of Electro. Now that you could flip that and get the female version of Electro in there, and that might be fun to see them do something with that. Oh I'm going into my Marvel Strike Force and pulling up my Sinister Six roster to see who I've got on there.
5: Scorpion or Vulture Eddie Brock Scorpion,
2: Scorpion has made an appearance now, but not as the Scorpion yet in the MCU because Matt Gargan. And I think that's an excellent call, Tony. I think that Matt Gargan um, hadn't got his enhancements in his suits. He was just a criminal trying to buy uh, alien tech and homecoming. Uh, one character that has never been in any of the Spider-Man movies so far that I would be down for seeing is the chameleon. Uh, The Chameleon is uh, a master of disguise secret agent for, I think at the time it was the KGB um, when he was created. And he was notorious for framing Peter Parker slash Spider-Man for his crimes. So would be an interesting character to introduce. And again, it's all out there. I I think that they, Uh, you you know, you could see
4: so let What's me that? let me share this with you guys. So this is my Sinister Six roster on Marvel Strike Force. I don't know if you can see that. There you go. Uh-huh. One one that's missing that we haven't talked about is Swarm. Yeah, he's a he's a newer he's a newer character. So yeah, I mean Rhino, we kind of saw a crappy version of him. Mysterio's dead. Swarm, we haven't seen Goblin, Shocker, Doc Ock, Electro, and Vulture. Um yeah. hey, I don't know how you'd pull off Swarm. How you? would bring him into this whole thing <laughs> you just kind of come out of nowhere sort of thing but i i mean i i'm down with it i would be down to see a sinister six movie uh that would be that'd be really cool it just yeah who do you who do you throw in there because yeah it, it, it the six the six is kind of a misnomer and you fit craven in there somewhere so um yeah bring it on sounds fun to me tombstone undertaker he's part of the sinister six Hey, hey, Hey,
5: what if he came, what if he played, what would you buy him? Would you, in the words of Christopher Platt, would you smoke a bag of that if Undertaker was Tombstone?
2: I might smoke a bag of that. All right. So I I do really look forward to seeing what kind of a sinister six group we get here. I think that that, we're going to leave it at that. uh, And we're going to head into our first commercial break and, Before we do our recorded commercials, it is always my duty to remind you that if you enjoy what we do here on Bandwagon Nerds, if you enjoy what we do at the Chairshot Radio Network, then head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot and invest in one of our many Chairshot shirts. I am wearing one today. I am wearing the official Bandwagon Nerds Pro Wrestling Tees uh, Chairshot shirt purchased over at wrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot for the low low price of slightly more than $19.99 because while the standard shirt is $19.99 you can get that and we're happy for it i wanted to feel a little fancy I wanted something that felt nice on as tony likes to say my epidermis and so i spent a few dollars more and got it soft style there are all sorts of other designs to choose from, whether you want a chair shot logo, whether you want a saying from a show, or even from your favorite programs themselves. Again, those shirts cost $19.99, or if you're feeling fancy, for a few dollars more, you can get them soft style. And we will appreciate everything you can do to contribute to helping us put out great content daily out there on the interwebs. As Christopher Platt would say, please and thank you, thank you and please, that site is prowrestlingtease.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, we are going to remember Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com.
0: Promotional consideration paid for by the following.
5: Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade. You can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chair head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code Chairshot to save 10%. That's AngryLemonade.net.
2: All right. Welcome back. As I mentioned before we went into the commercial break on Friday, this past Friday, uh, Horrible, horrible news hit the music world as about an hour before they were set to perform in South America, word came out that Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins had passed away. This was thoroughly surprising to, I I think, everybody. He was only 50 years old. And before before we talk a little too... the circumstances surrounding his death are starting to, to come out a little bit more. There's been a toxicology report. A lot of it is still sort of reported secondhand. And and I'm sure we'll hear more as it gets investigated, but the Foo Fighters to me were kind of like the, are kind of like the last sort of rock band that speaks to my nineties youth, if you will, you know, formed in the wake of Kurt Cobain's passing by Dave Kroll, Taylor Hawkins, uh, took on the role of drummer for that band as Grohl became more and more of the front man. And yeah, it was just, it was stunning to say the least. And so before, before I get into sort of my thoughts, uh, Dave, I'll start with you, um, your reaction to this news and just some, some of your thoughts.
4: Yeah. Like the um, man, the Foo Fighters, like the last bastion of, kind of the nineties as it transitioned into the aughts, that sort of thing. Um, y- you know, the, in the wake of, of course, the tragic passing of Kurt Cobain, uh, you know, this is kind of where Nirvana sort of kind of evolved into, and, you know, and Grohl wasn't Grohl; the he was like Nirvana's drummer. And then, he was the and, sure and then sure. he becomes something completely different. The front man for Foo Fighters. And I mean, I like the first three or four Foo Fighters albums are some of my favorite Albums from that time frame, uh, you know, the the one with Everlong on there and then, you know, uh, learning to fly and, and best of you and all that sort of thing. I mean, I love those songs. Um, yeah, th- this just this just sucks. Fifty years old. It's it sounds like, you know, I know they're still digging up stuff and figuring some things out. It does sound like perhaps maybe drugs are involved, um, which is unfortunate but it yeah it, it's tragic when you know you get something like this i, I mean i'm you know at 53 i look at any time somebody of my age group passes away and you know of course it makes you pause and think for a second but uh yeah it's, it's it's sad you know he by all accounts was a hell of a good guy um you know very giving as far as fans were concerned there's some pictures floating around of him meeting with fans literally hours before he died Uh, And it just it just it just sucks whenever you get something like this to a a band as renowned as the Foo Fighters, who really, yeah, I mean, for that time frame, one of the biggest bands in the world, as as far as I can tell, as far as I'm concerned. And just one of um, one of my favorites from this era. So rest in peace. It sucks. That's for sure. Tony, your thoughts.
5: You know, Foo Fighters, um, Green Day. Red Hot Chili Peppers are like the last three great rock bands, in my opinion, before you kind of transition into a number of different ways that 90s rock, you know, transitioned out into. Um, I heard nine active substances. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a lot of partying. Um, So I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. Those guys live in that environment every single time they go on tour. Um, it does suck. He was a good guy. He 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 made great music with them. You know, it's hard not to be a fan of the Foo Fighters, no matter what genre of music you you pull towards. It's just like a really good sound, really quality band. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't have that much else to say about it, to be honest with you. I, I feel bad more for his family, um, and the rest of the band. Who knows what was really going on? But I feel bad more so for his family and his friends than I do for him.
2: Absolutely. I I will say, oddly enough, and I was talking to Dave about this before we recorded Chair Shot Radio yesterday, I was surprised by how much his passing did sort of hit me, and and not so much because of of the music that he made. Like, I I like the Foo Fighters. I really appreciate their music. I love what they do. Uh, But I think one of the things that I think is, is sad to me is, his mind for music was uh, among the best of the best for his generation. And he was one of, you know, he wrote some terrific songs for the Foo Fighters. He toured with Alanis Morissette. Like he played with Alanis Morissette during the height of her fame. I'm going to hold on one second. Um, And if you if you go back and you like if you look at any music documentary that's been made within the last 10 years, odds are Taylor Hawkins did an interview to contribute something to do with it. And for for me personally, I think everybody knows my favorite artist uh, of all time or my favorite band of all time is Queen. And he had a big big soft spot for queen and appreciated their role in music to the to the point that he performed the song somebody to love as part of the foo fighter set like dave girl would take over into drums and there are numerous recordings out there on youtube you just go and search it of of uh of taylor hawkins singing and leading the audience in a rendition of somebody to love and, and so he's not even performing songs that, that like just performing songs that he wrote like you can just see his influence and his appreciation of music in the genre as a whole and to lose that for whatever reason whether it was you know partying too hard and just living the lifestyle uh who knows if he was battling other stuff that we don't know about and was and was self-medicating? We don't know, and it's not fair. It's not fair to speculate. And he does. He leaves behind a wife, and he leaves behind some children, and that sucks. And that's that's horribly sad. And I just think it's it's a tremendous loss for for the industry.
5: Would you guys say, like, I feel like the Foo Fighters, the the last great American rock band?
2: I I, I don't. There's really any question to it. I think they were the elder statesmen of. Uh,
5: but I mean, of- it's like I feel like no one else has that sound anymore. There's not. We're we're totally gone from all of that. Anything now is 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 so much harder or or so much more now. It's just a different. No one does that anymore. No one captures that sound. Scott wyland has gone. Chris Cornell is gone. Eddie Vedder doesn't do shit anymore. You know, like. You know, Alice in Chains is still out there. Godsmack yeah. is out there. Metallica is out there, but they're not putting out new music that's like the Foo Fighters have been. You know what I'm saying? And Red Hot Chili Peppers is a different sound. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Green Day is not from America. So that's, you know, what? where I say that. What?
4: Who- Wait, what? Green Day's from the Bay Area, bro. I,
5: <laughs> I, what I mean is they have more of a British sound.
4: Well, from a pop punk standpoint, yeah, but I mean, sure. I'd say if you're looking at American bands, last great American bands, yeah, Green Day, Foo Fighters, you know, that's a 1A, 1B sort of, but they're very different bands, you know, I think Foo Fighters are more metal based, rock based, and and Green Day's more more uh, evolved kind of into power punk sort of thing, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying, you know, he, yeah, trying to look at that, that time frame, the 90s, and think, you know, what great bands were there that are still out there touring and kicking and m- being, you know, making an impact on the music industry and good luck. Really? <laughs> Pat, you got anything? You're a music, music, music expert. Uh, yeah, I did. I don't think that there's any
2: band out there with that kind of sound that is as big as the Foo Fighters are. Like they, they, like I said, that's why I use the, the term elder statesman like they they were the venerated appreciated like you know and they were still pretty cutting edge and sort of the music that they were making for their genre there are other bands out there but it's a lot of imitators you know it's like it's like classic rock like the classic rock sound has, has gone um by the wayside outside of imitators like Greta Van Fleet for as great as they are they're a Led Zeppelin cover band with with original tunes, like down to their sound, and there's just nobody that sounds like the Foo Fighters, and I I wonder what this means for the band. Does does the band stop? Like, was he that influential to the band that that the band no longer makes new music? Because I think they could still tour. I think he can tour until Dave Grohl is you know eighty ninety years old,
4: right? Uh, I mean, here's my but point.
2: go ahead, Pat. Sorry, but it's just it's it's big shoes to fill. Like he was he was the number two in the band. Like
4: they are big shoes to fill, yes. But let me pose this to you guys: when you think about bands who stopped because the drummer died, um Led Zeppelin and John Bonham, okay, Keith Moon, the Who. Maybe you could have said they should have stopped. They didn't, and, and they persisted, and, and that was a massive loss. Um, Neil Pert from Rush, as soon as he passed away, they said, That's it, we're done. You know, Taylor Hawkins is hugely important. I don't know if I put him on that level of those guys that we just mentioned Bottom, Moon, Pert. Uh, maybe you can work
2: around that. I don't, know if it's about drum- I don't know if it's about the drumming, though, so much as it is about the creative drive mm-hmm. behind. Right. Like and he's a songwriter. He's a singer songwriter drummer. Like and in that respect,
4: a- you can draw a direct parallel to Pert because Pert was the well, primary songwriter for Rush.
5: It's more about the guys inside of the Foo Fighters, right? I mean, is it they can't <laughs> play together any? They can't play together anymore because he's not there, or they still want to play together and they can find someone to, that they can play with. And, and, you know, um, they still feel good and play in his honor, which, which, which side of the coin do they land on? Because all these guys are going to continue to make music. Their careers are not going to be over. Right. But does it mean, you know, uh, that's, that's does it mean true. Dave, does it mean Dave Grohl takes a break and comes back as a solo person or does something different with somebody else? Does it mean these guys stay together and find someone? you know, it's, I think it's more specific to the band than actual, the talent. Um, in my opinion. I, but, man, you mentioned I, some great I, drummers in uh, Moon and Pert. Sorry.
2: I, I, no, I just – I think that's a terrific point. And, and, again, not to beat the dead horse of the band I know, but Queen, um, Freddie passed away, and they thought they were done. And uh, for some, they were done. John Deacon, the original bassist, after the goodbye concert to, to Freddie – he he was done making music um period uh, because the loss was too much uh but Brian May and Roger Taylor two of the original founders of the band you know through I, they had a couple of other people join them to sing before Adam Lambert and you know became a full-time tourer with the band and now a big part of the concert isn't just playing their music but it's honoring Frederick, Freddie Mercury like that's a big part of their shows and so you're right, Tony. I think it really does depend on what the band would want to do. Like if the band wants to can you continue to tour and remember remember Taylor, then then it's absolutely their right to do and what they should do. And uh, if they if they don't, if they feel like that's it for the band, that's okay too. And they they put together music for well, Foo Fighters been around for 25 years, which you know 25 years of music that's a hell of a run. mini band, most bands. Don't make it 25 years. So wherever they go next, um, you know, selfishly, I hope it's more, more music, but, you know, what, what umbrella that'll be under? I think, like you said, that's the big question.
5: Let me just clarify to Dave's uh, staunch disagreements before I, I was talking about sound as in Green Day reminds me of like the Clash and the Sex Pistols, you know, whereas You know, Red Hot Chili Peppers is not necessarily an American sound. It's more reggae as well, too. So just throwing it out there, letting you go.
4: I'm well aware of those
5: three bands all being in America. I was sending a
4: text to Billy Joe right now saying, this guy I'm on the show with thinks you're from fucking London, man. But, you know, I all kidding aside, American idiot idiot didn't help. All kidding aside, when I first heard Longview from Dookie, I agree with you, Tony. They sounded like a British punk band. I was kind of surprised to discover that later on that year. Oh my God, these guys are from Oakland. So I, I get what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. So
2: I, I don't know that there's any more that we can add to to this conversation other than to raise a glass uh, and wish happy trails to Taylor Hawkins and much love. And hopefully, um, you know, keep your thoughts out there for the family he left behind both on the stage and off. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna break down why people no longer go to the os- watch the Oscars, and Patrick's got a little quiz for Tunny and Dave. All that after this commercial break. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network here on the chairshot.com.
0: This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com.
2: All right, welcome back. So I mentioned this at the top of the show, that by the time this podcast drops, the Oscars will have aired and no one will have watched it and this has been a trend for a while and I want to preface this all by saying I love the Oscars I love the pageantry I I love the performances I really do love just about everything about the Oscars but I'm in the minority and I think it's pretty it's pretty clear that i'm in the minority as this becomes an ever-dwindling you know ever-dwindling audience and it's not for lack of trying to find ways to to get people in to watch the show and and in fact they're they're trying some new things this year and i shared an article with you all to try and and i think you know we're going to talk about some of the universal complaints uh but in an effort to to Cut, you know, to to make this more palatable and more watchable, the producers have they made the des- decision first to cut eight awards from its live presentation lineup, and they're mostly like the crafting categories, so like production design, film editing, sound, things like that. And David Rubin, president of the Academy, is saying that the move is meant to increase viewer engagement. And keep the show vital, kinetic, and relevant. So, the eight, here are the eight categories that got cut documentary, short subject, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, music, original score, production design, short film animated, short film live action, and sound. Ruben also noted that the the ceremony is actually going to begin an hour earlier than the televised show. So those awards are going to be going to give it out in that first hour before they go live. So basically, while you're watching the red carpet, if you're watching the red carpet show, that's when those awards are being given out. And so I'm going to start my questions to the two of you with this. Is the Oscars being too long really the reason people have stopped watching? I think you know my opinion on this matter. Tony, I'll go to you first is this a good move? Is this actually the move that needs to be made? Yes or no. And why or why not?
3: I
5: don't think anything they've done addresses the problem that they have. Uh, the The problem is, is they're giving awards away to a medium that people aren't consuming at a rate they used to be. And they're not covering the things that people consume at a rate, a higher rate now. You know, I mean, there's things that are not qualified. People, the masses who are enjoying you know things that you can consume as far as storytelling on screen they're not going to the movie theaters they're not consuming these movies they're watching streaming they're watching this that and the other you know a lot of that stuff is available but i'm talking about non movies things i think are being consumed more so like series and things of that nature so I just think it's a really old school way of doing it. I don't think they're including the right thing. And I would say that the track record of the people giving away the awards is not that good as well.
4: Dave, your thoughts? I agree with Tony to a large, huge extent that, you know, Tony and I were recording an episode of Attitude of Aggression last night. And and I used the word marginalized a lot of places to talk about certain things. The Academy has traditionally marginalized people like us. And the stuff that we like to a great extent for a very, very long time. And and not to take anything away from some of the movies that get nominated and and the accolades that they so richly deserve. I'm not saying that, but they have not given enough credence, enough um, you know, acknowledgement to some of the stuff that we love that this show's based upon. I mean, it's one thing to give Lord of the Rings all these awards and all that sort of thing, but you know they don't recognize the same sorts of things that appeal to people like me, and mostly to people like you guys as well, and the things that I'm interested in. It's like I, you know, this 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 movie that's got nominated for ten awards. Great, fine. I don't care because it doesn't resonate with me. And I think as you've seen, the industry has evolved, especially since the MCU, the advent of the MCU, and even before that, when Lord of the Rings came along. um, They have not adjusted to the times very well, and they keep trying to feed you the same sort of thing saying, hey, this is what you really should be acknowledging. And it's like, "Okay, fine. But you're not acknowledging the things that I care about. So to me, for many years now, there's just feels like there's been a disconnect between what the Academy is trying to recognize and what popular culture is trying to recognize. And that seems to be where they have had some problems, at least with me
5: throw it throw an in intelligent well-done comedic storytelling as well yeah exactly
4: they, they're 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 myopic in their viewpoint of the industry and and i think that really doesn't sit well with a lot of the modern fans and and they have not adjusted very well to the way that things have trended
2: yeah i think that really it's i was trying to think of uh, the best way to describe this so I love, and I know Tony hates this show, I love the TV show Scrolls. but the two main actors are completely different individuals. You have Zach Braff and you have Donald Faison. And Zach Braff is the target audience of the Oscars. He is pretentious. He is high art. He is, and I love him. I love him as an actor. He is a terrific actor. He is a terrific director. He's great. He's horribly pretentious. It's a very snooty sort of event. And it's, it's not that high art is bad, but you look at, if you look at the like Oscars of yesteryear, there were, there were movies that people actually watched and that, you know, this is what my, my quiz today is kind of hopefully going to illustrate this point, but, we don't we don't go and see movies anymore that that win Oscars. Very few. They don't even get on. It's so bad now that they had to create like a fun fan poll based Oscar for popular films. And what I don't understand, and what I wish I understood, a cat, the, like the Oscar voters and nominators um, understood, is how in the world is it that a movie could resonate with the masses and not be considered for awards like how does that happen and this is where the analogy comes in because donald Fazon's biggest campaign has been to try and get spider-man no way home nominated for best picture and he's called the oscars a fraud because it's not nominated for best picture and i you know i think some of its tongue in cheek but he, he's on some level like, that's a movie people saw. That's a people movie loved. That's uh, that's a movie people loved, not a people movie loved. Um, and so it just it, it blows my mind today. And, and here's the other thing. There used to be a time where, like, even if you didn't know what the movies were that were out or that were playing, the host was somebody who could translate it well to the audience, connect well. Like, say what you will, whether you like Billy Crystal or not. One of the great hosts of the Oscars. Bob Hope was terrific for a really long time as host of the Oscars. Uh, when they've tried to, when, when the Oscars have tried to be edgy, they've always failed. Like, you don't know, like they, I think, didn't Ricky Gervais host it once? That was a mistake. Uh, there was that dual uh, nominee nominations where they had, uh, or um, dual hosting where it was uh, James Franco and Anne Hathaway. I just, that just was clunky and awkward there's there's nobody to connect to as as an audience and so when there's nobody to connect to why should you watch tony loves watching rich people do fancy stuff like he talks about it all the time what what it was sarcasm dude oh oh was, hey, i i know you don't like rich people being like look how rich we are like i get it but that's that's kind of how the sometimes, no. right no, I don't
5: mind that so much as I just don't like millionaires and billionaires arguing over whether or not grown men can play a sport for money. Um, here, the Oscars are trying to, are the, you could be on two, You could. there's two wrong sides to this. One, you become so elitist that people ignore you. And that's what's, we're on the precipice of total ignorance, like of this academy, right? Or you go the other way and you cater too much to the people where they don't really care because you just, give away whatever the people want, right? So they need to find the happy medium and they're just not doing a good job of understanding what's happening in modern pop culture and everyday consumption of media. So that, that that's where I'm at with it. I know they have three different female hosts tonight, so I I'll probably tune in. I do pay attention to the Oscars, to be honest with you. I do remember a time though, and I thought you were going to say this before that all the Oscars movies that got nominated, at least I had seen a preview for them. If I didn't go and see it, but now it's like half of them I don't even, never even fucking heard of before.
2: Absolutely, and that segues nicely into the first ever bandwagon nerds Oscar quiz show between PC Tunney and Dave Ungar. It's a pop quiz. Nothing fancy here. It's so a pop excited. quiz, kids. Nothing fancy here. We're gonna we're gonna do this. I just want to, I just want to kind of prove a point of what's really, what's nominated in the difference between us as kind of what I would argue is a more mainstream audience and what the Oscars puts out there. And so for this first one, you might need a piece of paper to write some stuff down.
4: I'm ready. It's like trivia. Where's AJ at? No,
2: no AJ, no fancy music. We're going to have some fun here. Uh, my first question: On your pad of paper, I'm going to give you, we'll say, will uh, an imaginary three to forty-five seconds. I can do
5: that. I can do that. You want a thirty-second clip? You got, for, you've got for, the. Uh, you got the Jeopardy I got, music. I got Jeopardy. I can. It's thirty All seconds.
2: Right, we'll, you want to use it? We'll play the We'll play the Jeopardy music. Then your okay. first, your first question isn't a question. I want you to name as many Best Picture nominees for this year's Academy Awards as you can. Go. Thank you.
5: even know if i spelled it right <laughs> but i could only think of okay. one
2: think streaming so here we go first of all i'm going to tell you how many there were one two three four five ten six seven eight nine ten i got a point
5: points. for that right
2: i got no that point. right do i get a point oh, that wasn't a question
5: i think that might be the only point we could have had a chance at dave PC Tunny, your list how many I, best I wrote, down one. You- I wrote down one i don't know i did
2: Macbeth was not nominated for best picture.
4: What what a travesty. I I don't even know. I I haven't even paid attention this is, this is tying into your whole topic of conversation. I don't even know what's that Yeah.
5: Is that movie with, uh, Oh man, maybe the Tom Hanks one. Is there a Tom Hanks one in there?
2: There is not a Tom Hanks one in there. There was one directed by Steven Spielberg.
5: Oh, was it the Matt Damon, um, uh, Kylo Ren movie?
2: Nope, that one was not nominated.
3: Uh,
2: um, yeah. Will Smith was Will Smith starred in one of the no Oscar nominated movies. We nerd reviewed one of the Oscar. No, we didn't, did we? Yes, we did. We no way home got def- nominated.
5: Bad, Bad nope. Boys Four got nominated.
2: Nope. So here are the nominees: Belfast. Totally, yeah, up. I, Belfast. I
5: said, that's what I wrote down.
2: Right, it looked like it. Mixed spell that. Coda. Mick Don't look up. Okay. Drive my car. Mm, no. So we're zero for four so far on fa- like the facial recognition on these movies. It isn't "Don't I, Look I, Up" here. with
4: Leo DiCaprio that one?
5: Yes. Yeah. Oh, I heard a coda. I heard a coda.
2: Drive Another my t- car. No. Sorry, I oh, said that yeah. one.
5: Hold Dune. my wallet. What, dude?
2: Dune.
4: Okay, dude, dude so was oh, that was not the best.
2: Okay, and that okay. Was, we heard reviewed that one, King Richard, a, okay, sure, yep, Licorice Pizza, heard of that, Nightmare Alley, heard of that, The Power of the Dog, heard of that, I live, and that. West, and what, West Side Story,
5: oh, West Side okay. Story
2: did yeah, so, by Spielberg. So I've
5: actually seen the previews for a large majority. I think I 70-80%. Think, uh,
2: so, yeah, and out of those movies that were listed, I've seen two. Um, and that was, I've seen Dune and I've seen West Side Story. Uh, see I, one? Fully, I fully intend to see Nightmare Alley. Um,
5: Nightmare I Alley left- That's Bradley. Nightmare Alley's Bradley Cooper, right?
4: Right. Do I get two points for seeing Dune twice? no
2: you right. get you actually lose two points for not listing yes. the movie you saw awesome. as the um, movie
4: and may god have me. mercy on my then soul
2: yes <laughs> zero to negative two bitches this is like whose line is it anyway where the points don't matter and i do and i, and I list them arbitrarily i know they matter to you tony all yeah, right. say they matter to me <laughs> so number two each of you is going to pick a number between one and one, two, three, four, five. One and seven. Tony, number between one and seven. A one. All right, Dave, different number. Three. All right, David Ungar, you go first. What is the basic plot of Drive My Car? Uh,
4: somebody <laughs> driving a car. How am you going to go with that? Some, uh, some, somebody driving a car from one from point A to point B. Uh, and accomplishing something. There you go.
2: <laughs> According to our good friends at IMDb, a renowned a renowned stage actor and director learns to cope with his wife's unexpected passing when he receives an offer to direct a production
4: of Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima.
5: It's exactly like Dave said.
4: Exactly. What the fuck does that have to do with driving a car? uh, It makes no sense. Tuddy, you picked number one.
5: Yeah,
2: I did. I actually think you got the better end of the deal out of this. Okay. What is the basic plot of CODA?
5: Well, this one person wants the other person to drive their car. Um (laughs) I don't remember and I remember the name of it. It's it's like a isn't it like a futuristic war movie?
2: No. I didn't know.
5: Uh, okay.
2: As a as a coda, child of a de- child of deaf adults, Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music by wanting to go to Berklee College of Music and yeah. her fear Of abandoning her parents.
5: I was thinking of a completely different movie. So, you know, maybe I only knew 60% of those
2: movies. I was thinking of
4: that last Led Zeppelin album. So I'm way off.
2: So I left off. So I left off. I wrote down seven of the best picture nominees, which is where the one through seven came from. Um, And the three that I left off, I left off King Richard, I left off West Side Story, and I left off Dune. Because those like David seen Dune. Let's go through the rest of them and see if we can get a point between the two of us. All right. All right. Let's. So let's go. So the next one, number two was Belfast. I don't remember. Nothing. No. Uh, Well, first of all, it was filmed in black and white. So
4: there you go. Is there a butler?
2: Surrounded. (laughs) You're thinking of Mr.
4: Belvedere, damn it.
2: August 15th, 1969 in Belfast, Ireland, surrounded by sporadic violence and growing danger Nine-year-old Buddy finds himself confronted with the ugly reality of sectarian conflict. And oh, as the suffocating struggle of increasing turmoil tightens around his once-peaceful working-class neighborhood, Buddy tries his best to understand the troubles. After all, someone must be responsible for forcing people to flee their homes. Now, Buddy's, nice. now Buddy's family must come <laughs> face-to-face with a nearly impossible, life-altering decision. Stay. Or start packing next was a uh, licorice pizza
5: oh licorice pizza that was a modern one i thought um that was with uh who the hell is it who's the lead actor in that one just tell me
2: uh the lead actor is cougar hoffman
5: okay that didn't fucking
2: help and a lot of there's a cougar famous in it. famous so the famous actors in this one sean penn is in this movie Bradley Cooper is in this movie.
5: Yes, it's a relationship one. Oh, it's yeah. he's, he has a famous name, but he's not that person or something, right? Isn't there a famous name? One of the characters' names is famous, and they're not that person or something.
2: Licorice Pizza is the story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and falling in love in the San Fernando Valley in 1973. It's written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. The film tracks the treacherous navigation of first love.
5: So, so reliant. It's playable. Seventies,
2: something like that. All right, let's go with this one. You knew the actors in this one, Nightmare Alley.
5: Oh, it's about they see the nightmares and what's going to happen or something like that, and they got to catch the killer. I think that's pretty close. <laughs>
2: uh, a grifter, a grifter working his way up from low-ranking carnival worker to lauded psychic medium, matches wits with a psychiatrist bent on exposing him. Nailed that one! Yes, nailed it. <laughs> totally, nailed it. the power of the dog.
4: Is this about Son of Sam, where the dog talks to him and, and compels him to kill all these people? I, you know, I, just, I, it's as good as guess as any. Is this
5: like Can't Wag the that... Dog with Dustin Hoffman, where he just controls the country?
4: No
2: charismatic rancher phil burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him when his brother brings home a new wife and her son phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love
4: wow these these Star- titles
2: are way off starring benedict cumberbatch and Kristen dunst allegedly it's a uh it might be a, a gay cowboy movie Bro- also from- back mountain part two all right, and last but not least, the Leonardo DiCaprio-led film,
4: Don't Look Up. Now, this one I do know, even though I have not seen it. This is all about, the, uh, I think, a comet's heading for Earth, and Leo and somebody, another character are trying to convince the president, who I believe is Meryl Streep, that- Jennifer Lawrence is
2: the, uh, the other
4: right, person. Right, Jennifer Lawrence. So they're trying to convince Meryl Streep that, hey, this comet's coming, but they and Seth Rogen is in this as well. No, is it Seth or Jonah Hill? Jonah, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill's in it. And he's kind of like the the spokesperson who <laughs> basically downplays the threat at every chance that they get. So it's a black comedy. I'm I, I mean I've seen I know people who've seen it who are lukewarm on it. Kind of surprised that this one got a nomination for best picture.
2: It was not reviewed well, so I was surprised that it got nominated as well. But you're right. Congratulations, Dave gets a point <laughs> for accurately Sweet. describing the plot of Don't Look Up. Two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. Also in this movie, as you said, Meryl Streep is the president, uh Jennifer Lawrence is in it, Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry are in it as well. Um a lot of famous folks. Timothy Chalamet also in it, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, um Tons of famous folks. It's, it's Michael
4: Chiklis. Yeah, and it's funny to me. You look at this movie, and I know it's critically received, but like, take like Armageddon. And really. deep, it was critically, it was panned, critically panned, But the Academy must see something in it that we don't. But like, you look at like Armageddon and Deep Leo. Impact, where this stuff's coming and everybody's panicking and taking it seriously. And in this movie, what I know about it is that they can't get anybody to take this threat seriously until pretty much the comet's on top of them.
5: Yeah, Jonah Hill plays the uh, press secretary press or whatever secretary. for uh, right. Meryl Streep's yeah, president.
2: Right. So current that's score. That's a point. That's a point. PC Tunny PC, PC, leading Dave zero to negative one as we head into yeah, our next question. Zero to negative one. Ahead, question honey. number Say it. three. Say it, Total BS. The game's not over yet. Question number three. Javier Bar- Javier Bardem is nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Sure. What movie was he nominated for? Oh, that's not fair.
4: Write it down. 30 seconds.
5: I Wasn't it one of the movies
4: nominated for Best Picture? Did they re-release No Country for Old Men or something? This is it. This
2: isn't Ask Extra Questions. This is you get 30
5: seconds. We don't seconds. fucking know. We don't need 30 seconds for this one. Neither of us know. Just tell us the damn what? movie.
2: For his role as Ricky Ricardo in Being the Ricardos, the Amazon Prime film, also starring, I do believe, was it Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball? Look at the two of you. I like, put your heads in your hands. Patrick, you got some splendid to do. <laughs> That's okay. Also nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role, role Javier's wife, Penelope Cruz, in what film
4: the hell was freedom i'll go west side story fuck oh. it
2: <laughs> not nah, nope no no uh she was in some movie called parallel mothers which i'm going to look up right now because i've never heard of either parallel mothers
4: i mean the fact that penelope That's... cruz got nominated for best act female actor is um okay
5: i nominated her for money.
4: <laughs> Two
2: women, Janice and Anna, coincide in a hospital room where they are going to give birth. Both are single and became pregnant by accident. Great. Janice, middle-aged, doesn't regret it and she is exultant. The other, Anna, an adolescent, is scared, repentant, and traumatized. Janice tries to encourage her while they move like sleepwalkers along the hospital corridors. The I feel like this exchange
5: for us and our listeners.
2: In these hours, we'll create a very close link between the two, which by chance develops and complicates and changes their lives in a decisive way. Can we go All back right. to
4: talking about Morbius? I- I'm just saying, man. Yeah, I'm good with final, this. Said. Final, final
2: question before I, before I do a bonus question out of pity for the two of you. This is another write down as many as you can. There are five nominees for Best Director. Write down oh. as many as you can.
5: Are you got writing your... anything down, Dave? Yeah. I have no idea.
2: Oh, well. Uh oh. Hmm. Forgot to hit the Jeopardy music this time.
5: Okay. Yeah, I did. You can just think amongst themselves.
2: I'm watching the call ticker off. You've got till one hour and 29 minutes.
5: I spelled that wrong. Uh, 10, 9,
2: 8, 7, 6. <laughs> Five, I'm going to write this down five, to piss off Patrick. Three, two, one. and You nominated Zack Snyder, didn't you, you piece of shit?
5: You're just going to have to wait and see.
2: All right, Dave. You go first this time. What do you got? You've got Spielberg, Ridley <laughs> Scott, M. Night Shyamalan, and Will Smith. You have one correct. Woo-hoo. Spielberg was nominated. You have Spielberg, Snyder, so it's a tie you both get a point which means that Tony has one dave has zero the other nominees i actually told you one of the other nominees when we talked about this paul thomas anderson was nominated for licorice pizza kenneth brana kenneth brana was nominated for belfast Raisuke hamaguchi was nominated for drive my car and jane campion was nominated for The Power of the Dog.
4: Ridley but Scott don't didn't get it. nominated. All that bitching that he did about Last Duel and it didn't yield him a Oscar nomination?
2: It, it didn't get nominated for shit, so, man, bastard.
5: Can, can I just say one reason to watch the Oscars this year? I hope I'm not stepping on anything you're going to do here. What's but that? It is, it is the 50th anniversary of The Godfather and all the, the Oscars they won, so they're going to have something on that tonight, so that should be something to be pretty cool, or at least check out on YouTube... When you listen to the show the day after.
2: And I'm trying to find the last. Okay. So as I look for this last one. So congratulations, PC Tunny, by a score of one to nothing. You you win the
4: Anonymous. bandwagon like nerds. Fucking soccer game or something. One-nothing.
2: Oh. But now I want to see. So I don't where did it go? Here we go. How many Disney Slash Pixar properties were nominated for Best Animated Feature Film
5: this year. Yes, this year. And there were ten nominees, right?
2: No, that that was only Best Picture. This is Animated Feature Film. There's only five.
4: I'll say four, three.
2: It is three. Raya the Rat, Raya and the Last Dragon, Luca, and Encanto all nominated for Best Animated Feature Film.
5: Aren't yeah, they doing the Encanto performance live tonight or something?
2: Yeah, but it's not, we don't talk about Bruno. It's, uh, it was, uh, it's an interesting thing. Like the song from Encanto that got nominated was like the opening, like introduction to the family song, because there was a reason they weren't, they didn't expect we don't talk about Bruno to be the hit that it became. And and so they nominated, they, they submitted a different song the other two that are nominated, Flea, which I've never seen, FLE, but it's about... like This one's like a heavy animated film. Desperate to protect his identity, but also needing to unburden himself. Danish resident Amin opens up about his past as a child refugee from Afghanistan. He looks back over his life as he grapples with a secret that he's kept hidden for 20 years, one that threatens to derail the life he's built for himself and his future husband. The other movie is a Netflix film called the Mitchells versus the machines. And I got to tell you guys, that's a terrific movie. If you haven't, well, I watched it with a little doubt, really, really good movie, lots of fun and definitely worth a watch. Um, if, if you have the time to check it out, it's, it's a lot of fun. My kid loved it. Um, and it's based on like technology and, and things going wrong and our overdependence on social media. It's really, really good. So, all right, fellas, that's going to do it for for the quiz. Well done. And I think this just illustrates what we're talking about, that nobody has any idea what these movies are, so why should we care? And, and I'm not saying that we've got to stop recognizing these films, but the Oscars, as Tony so eloquently put about it, they got to find a balance. And a half-assed vote on your favorite popular movie that did well in the box office, Internet Contest, isn't the answer. You know, the award that gains the most like sort of mainstream fan recognition is going to be animated film because that's the that's that's the sort of film that lots of people go to. The other films that we all know and love and recognize and see all the time, their categories are getting cut because a lot of science fiction, fantasy genre films that we talk about get nominated for things like special effects, sound editing, score and, and so they're taking away the movies that people find relevant. And sure, that isn't the high highbrow whatever. But it's hard to get behind an awards show when I saw the most out of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture, and I'd seen two. That's a problem. And until they fix that, no amount of, of cutting is you know going to make it better.
4: The show the show being shorter doesn't doesn't fix it yeah they really gotta need to have- kind of like take a cue from the art project or any of the project shows we do focus on the categories and not just this painting with this broadest stroke possible. I think they would get more engagement from the audience if you've got like yes best sci fi best you know best comedy, best horror, stuff like that you leave the dramas to the dramas because that's predominantly what the Oscars focus on, but you want to get more engagement from your fans, you gotta like you know. You know, I, I think at this point not not be so all all encompassing. Dig down a little bit deeper. Find out what is really turning on your audience. They're not doing that. The one
5: thing they did right is they're separating the awards and they need to figure out which awards people want to tune in to see and which they don't. Like I don't I'm sorry. I love it when a movie is edited correctly with the sound, but I don't need to know who the sound editor was. I just don't. To Dave's point, let's split the categories up here and give more awards away to actors that do well in different categories. You can throw sci-fi and superhero into one category with animated, right? You can do a comedy thing. You can do an action thing with action thriller, and then you can do drama, and then you can do overall as well. I just think it'd be a lot better and 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 more ability to connect with the people that are actually consuming
2: a lot of the media. I, I absolutely agree with that, and I think that the other thing that I, I enjoy about the Oscars that I, I'm okay with, but they need to figure out how to manage a little bit better. Some of their fluff is a little too much. Like the, there's there's all these little like in betweens that they're trying to do to kind of keep the audience and the crowd going, and that can be fun for a little bit, but they don't do great bits. I like I just. I, and maybe I'm just the old man yelling at the cloud here, but like the opening monologue has has gone on too long sometimes because you have to have engagement pe- engaging people to kind of lead that opening monologue. People wanted to well, see what Billy Crystal was going to do,
5: right? No, no one worth a damn is going to do it anymore. Well, I, and I shouldn't say that. No one. You're right, though. No, uh, no one that no, I'm not right because there's some because Wanda Sykes is doing it. It's worth a damn, and so to the people the ladies doing it tonight but i don't i don't mean it like that i just mean like you can't go out and give your A stuff you have to you know and it's society it's not the oscars or the network it's society that has it going that way right now like you can't just go out there and like have comedy it comedy is like frowned upon pc wise and it's it's kind of i'm kind of over it right we're almost back to that point where right let's just blow it back up again and say, you know what? Get some thick skin. It, it, it's a joke or it's not. And if it offends you, I'm sorry. We don't, you know, Comedy's tragedy. Learn the art.
2: Dave, any thoughts? Or are you frozen? Am I frozen? No, no. I, your, your camera's yeah. frozen, but you're, I, we can hear you.
4: Uh, um, no, I think we've beaten this topic to death. I mean, I think, I think the main, main point of it is that they, uh, they need to fix something. They need to, to to get some more engagement with their whoever they're trying to reach and at least kind of recognize that, you know, your guy's way of doing things is a little archaic. So figure it out. Yeah, they're out of touch.
2: I think that ultimately what this comes down to is they're out of touch with their with a mainstream audience. And there's a bubble. There's a Hollywood bubble uh and and until those folks like tony said figure it out and there there is a balance in this line there is there is a way to be edgy with comedy and be funny and and not be hurtful and i i do think it takes a special kind of comedian to figure that out And, and i don't know who that is um you know It's Tunney. Tunney's going to host the Oscars next year. He will not be on Bandwagon Nerds next year at this time. He will be hosting the Oscars with a Miller Lite in his hand, standing in front of the crowd.
5: It's it's in my contract. I don't go on stage until Bandwagon Nerds is recorded.
2: Fair enough. We We will record live from the Oscars. It'll be a good time. Um, but that's gonna, you know, I think that's a good place to end, is that you know, I hope that they figure that out because this is one of those things that used to be appointment television, at least for me. And I enjoy watching it. I'm gonna record it and I'll watch it, but it's not, it's not urgent. And it used to, it used to be something that you couldn't miss. And it used to feel more special than it does. So before we get out of here gentlemen let's do a quick once around we'll start with tony tell everybody where they can find you out there in the shot radio yeah you can
5: find me at pc tony on twitter and facebook uh please continue to listen to everything chair shot radio network on all of your favorite streaming platforms and head on over to the Chairshot.com where we encourage you to enjoy your day the chair shot way by always using your head progress forward slash the chair dave
4: at least the uh, dogs waited till the end to get all vocal. So uh, you can check me out on Twitter at AttitudeAg. That is at AttitudeAgg. Facebook.com slash Attitude A-G-G, of Aggression.
2: Hey, they were just pissed about the Oscars too, Dave. That's all. Because they, they didn't
4: recognize anybody either.
2: Hell yeah. You can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. On Mondays, it's Bandwagon Nerds. Tuesdays, it's Chair Shot Radio Hockey Talk with David Ongar. And on Wednesdays, it's the Greg DeMarco Show with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales. Tony, last thought before we go?
5: I think they were just expressing and displaying the power of the dog.
2: Thank you. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, listen to some Foo Fighters, and catch a little bit of the Oscars. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. I've
3: got another confession to me. Let's get back to him. Why? <laughs> you are so much more fun. I'm not here to talk about me. What are you here to talk about? I want to know how he thinks. You know exactly how he thinks. Have you read this file? You two have so much in common. Masked Avengers. <laughs> so easy, even <for> more righteous. <laughs> afraid, he makes you look soft. (laughs) You're wasting my time. (laughs) I'll tell you what I really think. I think you don't really care about his motives whether he loves or hates you. I think somewhere deep down you're just terrified because you're not sure he's wrong, huh? You think they deserved it. Huh? You think they deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> chairshot.com. Always use your head.